Hello, and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about season six, episode 20, Fred Astaire and Ginger Chicken. Are we already on episode 20? We're already on episode 20. Wow, crazy. This episode is the 20th episode of the season. We are 20 episodes in. Does it feel like it? A little bit, no. Yeah, I feel like this season's been very interesting because I think the early half of the season felt like a continuation of season five. Which I kind of feel like only started after Grace and Leo got married. Yeah, I think that this season is very much that there's like a Leo half in a not Leo half. And so we've been very much in the not Leo half for a while here. Yeah. Um, And it kind of seems like things are coming back around. This episode Mm -hmm. brings Leo back in absentia. Yes, they mention him. Which is better than they've been doing. Give us a timeline as to when he will be returning. So, um, all right, let's do the episode description and then we'll dive right in. Sounds great. All right. So, Will introduces his new boyfriend, Bobby Cannavale, to overly critical Grace. Karen tells Jack that their friendship will change after her wedding. So, I greatly enjoyed this episode. Okay. I enjoyed this episode for a number of reasons, but part of the reason that I enjoyed it so much was because it was sort of like watching, like, a caricature of our relationship played out in two parts. Not even, like, that much of a caricature. Like, it's not... It's to an extreme, but it's not like a big extreme. Right. I think we're going to talk about the Will and Grace plotline first. Yes. So let's get into Will and Grace's plot this week. Um, so basically, the episode begins and Will is sort of like flitting around his apartment. He's very happy because he's had a good date with Vince. Who we like. Who we like. And so he tells Jack that he's happy and that he had this date with Vince, but then in the course of the conversation mentions that he hasn't introduced him to Grace yet, to which Jack says... These iconic words, but how do you know if you like him then? Which is a mood. Yeah, I uh, I just relate to this so hard. I mean, Tess <laughs> and I are both just kind of in the same boat. We're like, <laughs> we are so close that like we have to like each other's partners. If we don't, it just isn't going to work. Um, the way they word in the episode is actually really perfect because like it it is exactly our relationship. I think there will in traditional will and grace fashion, it's being a little too judgy of something that I think is very valid, which is that when you have a very close personal friend who you treat as a member of your family, you want that family member's approval anyone you're dating. Right. And I mean, I yeah, I think that again, culturally that's not like an accepted thing that we talk about yeah. that we do. And so, like, this whole implication, like, oh, you just wouldn't date someone because your friend didn't like them? Like, fuck yeah, I wouldn't date someone if my friend didn't like them. What's wrong with you? But I think the way that, like, Will phrases it himself in the episode is, like, it's perfect because it's it's just a little bit outside of where I'm actually at with it. Mm -hmm. Where, like, it's, it's negative, but, like, it's really not that negative. He says to Jack, as he's, like, accusing him, he says, do you really think that our friendship is that sick and codependent that even as I'm saying this, I'm realizing it's true? (laughs) <laughs> like he to varying degrees of positivity and negativity in the episode acknowledges the reality that Grace has to approve of this relationship or he's probably wrong to be dating that person because they are very in sync they understand each other's like pros and cons like yeah I mean like very much so this is 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 a real thing that I think the episode Here's the thing. Here's my theory. I think it's being written about by people who have never experienced that. I agree. Who've never experienced a close, like, friendship to the point where you are each other's chosen family. Mm -hmm. And you realize that, like, this person's approval means more than anybody else's approval. Or maybe people who are willing to take the piss out of themselves more than Tess and I are. Possible. Because I think think the difference is that you and I are choosing to take that vice and make it into a virtue. In the most Brechtian of ways. Um... (laughs) 
And yet, I think this episode of Will and Grace could have been written by people who share that relationship, but are taking it a different way. But yeah, so it's it's very interesting because then Will basically gears himself up to introducing Grace to Vince. Yeah, like it's, it's actually done really well. The pacing of this episode is nice. We get to see just enough time of Will having coached Vince, but like Vince also immediately undercuts it because we don't see the prep. We just see the execution. Right, and so Vince shows up with presents. Yes. And Will's like, look, look, Grace, Vince brought presents. And he's like, yeah, you told me to. <laughs> and then he's like, I bought you a DVD player. I busted some guys selling them out of the back of the car. Right. Like, and then look, later it's revealed that it's not a DVD player. It's actually four kilos of cocaine, <laughs> which like, is amazing. It, this episode plot fits so well with Vince, who just doesn't have any time for bullshit, and is always like... He's kind of in like in between like kind of deflating a situation by being very serious about it. And also just like being like, oh whoops, I made the lotion too slippery and now my gun slipped out of my hand. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because he's not like a very serious person and he's cl- but he's clearly like a nonsense person who is very no nonsense, if that makes sense. Yes, like, I would he, definitely agree with that. He's very no nonsense about the own like absurdity of human life and the absurdity of his life as a cop who mm-hmm. got shot at and like Will makes a joke about like I'd tell you what's in this olive tamponade or whatever but I'd have to kill you. And then he's like, "That can you not make that joke? I just got shot at like an hour before I yeah. came here. Like, he's very real. There's no bullshit with Vince. Yeah, and I think the Olive Tapadot is like a perfect moment because in addition to it being the moment that Grace sees that makes her freak out, which yeah. we'll get to in a moment, um, I think it's just a perfect dynamic of why their relationship works mm-hmm. because he is like genuinely very enthused about this Olive Tapadot. But he's not cool with Will, this Will trying to like make cheesy, dorky jokes about it. Like, he's like, this joke doesn't work for me. And that's something that, like, the writers, I don't know if they're even intentionally doing it, but there's a joke that, like, when you've been in therapy for a while, you can always clock someone else who's been in therapy, Mm -hmm. even if they don't say it. Yeah. And so while I know that Vince has been very open about the fact that he's gone to therapy, this is another one of those moments where it's like, and I can tell you've been to therapy. Yeah. Because he's literally... Doing this thing that I practice with my therapist all of the time, which is teaching people and educating them on how to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And so he's essentially saying, like, hey, this is a thing. I don't like this joke. Yeah. So don't make that joke. But not doing it in a very serious way. But he's not doing it in a way that's sort of like, hey, stop that. Don't do that. It's just like. It's no nonsense. It's no nonsense. There's no bullshit. It's just like, I got shot at an hour ago. This joke isn't funny to me. Like, let's. But it's not like, it's in a way that invites Will in versus pushing him out. And that's something that like is black belt therapy shit. Well, and the stuff with Grace too. He's very, he comes into the episode very much. I don't have time for this bring Grace a present nonsense. Mm -hmm. I just brought her a DVD player from work. But. I did it because you told me to, and, and I, I like value you. you. Yes. yes. So he's like clearly willing to put up with a little bit of Will's nonsense because he likes Will, mm-hmm. and it's it's really sweet. And so we get to this moment in which Grace, you kind of watch it happen, and it, it happens very non-verbally, in which Grace is, you know, you kind of watch her be like a, a deer in the headlights as she watches Will and, and Vince be kind of cute together. Mm-hmm. And then she just like makes up a very flimsy excuse, shakes Vince's hand, says it was nice to meet you, and leaves. And then we watch Will melt the fuck down. Yeah. He's like just he like, cannot figure out what happened. He's just like, why doesn't she like you? She would never do that. She would never do that. That's so rude. Oh my God, I can't believe she did that. It's, just, it's a fascinating breakdown because the episode spends so much time with Will and Vince, partially because Deborah Messing is very pregnant in this yes, episode. And they need to put her in sitting positions. But it actually works really well because we're not focused on Grace's reaction. We're focused on Will's reaction and how Vince responds to that reaction. Right. And again, I think this is one of the strengths of Vince as a character is that he's no nonsense, 
But he realizes how important this is to Will, so he's willing to kind of, like, workshop what the fuck happened. Right. And so he's like, did she see my hair? My hair is great. Like, right. He's just, like, he's, like, trying to work it out with Will, and he's just like, I don't understand why. She... I thought it went fine, and Will's like, it clearly did not go fine. And he's like, okay, taking your word for it, let's discuss right. what could possibly go wrong. Mm-hmm. And then, so basically, they show up at Grace's Brooklyn apartment, which, confirmation this week, it still exists. Right, that's good, that's to, good know. to know. And um, Will, like, confronts her, and then it's revealed that Vince is behind the fucking door. Like, he brought Vince with for this confrontation. He only lives two blocks down. Yes. So, um, basically, as it turns out, as Grace kind of admits, like, she doesn't dislike Vince. She actually really does like Vince. But seeing them being all happy and cute and gay together mm-hmm. made her kind of sad for her own relationship. I thought that was actually an interesting ta- tactic to take. Because... So much of this show is built around Will and Grace's relationship yeah. that I thought it was going to be more the plotline we get later with Jack and Karen, where she said about this relationship being separated. But I think the show is smart to make it about her and Leo for two reasons. One, as Will makes in a joke later, Grace is extremely self-involved. Yes, it is very likely that everything is about her. But I also think that it would be kind of hypocritical for her to be upset about the way that this relationship is changing her relationship with Will if she hadn't already been married. Right. So I think the show is actually managing to dance around that hypocrisy really well. Yes, it's doing a very good job because, you know, Will kind of, understandably, was a little upset of the change in their relationship mm-hmm. when Grace got married. And so rather than having her kind of repeat that beat and, like, yeah. be a bit hypocritical because she's already married and Will just started dating someone, mm-hmm. instead she kind of is like, wow, you guys are in the happy early stages of a relationship and I'm realizing that my marriage must likely might likely not survive this yeah and then of course we kind of we get more vince being very no nonsense and so he's like he's talking to her and he's he's being very real with her and will's just like don't say that don't say that to her and she's like no no no, i appreciate it and then you watch because vince is a very no nonsense person he's like yeah i mean clearly your relationship wasn't in that good of a place anyways if he left and she's like too much too much will tell me more lies and it's you know i didn't realize until you said something but i kind of am thinking of this now when Leo came back on the scene, or came on the scene in season five, we really talked a lot about how he was kind of a fifth character in the group who kind of was always on the outside undercutting the other characters. And I think they're trying to do something similar with Vince, but this time they're getting it right. Yes, he is. It like makes sense to have them in the external orbit of the group because yeah. he's willing to be more real with the characters. He's not like Leo tried really hard to impress these characters. And mm-hmm. Vince is sort of you just kind of get the impression that like while he clearly wants to be liked because this is someone who's important to Will, mm-hmm. he's not really willing to bend over backwards that much. Yeah. He isn't willing to put up with the bullshit. He'll come to Brooklyn, but mostly it's because it's two blocks from his house, right. you know? Well, and it's they both share the same structural need, which is for a character to sometimes come in and pop the bubble. Yes. But it is genuinely more interesting and more palatable when Vince does it, because Vince is a softer character. Yes. Not, not in, like, a, a quality of character. I mean, like, physically, he's... Softer. He's wearing that lotion, you know? Right. Like, he's he's got kitten hands. He's moisturized. He's moisturized. Like, when Leo comes in and pops the bubble, it always feels mean. It is. Even when it's with Grace. Even when it's well-intentioned, you kind of get this, like, oh, fuck this guy sort of feeling. Or at least we do. Whereas with Vince, I mean, Vince is genuinely saying to Will and to Grace, hey, I know that you're trying to be Grace's friend here and tell her all these nice things, but, like, let's be real. This might not work out. Right. And I think that there's a genuine niceness and softness to him approaching it like that 
And the fact that he immediately backs off as soon as Grace says right. something. Right. And I mean, I'm going to basically kind of bring out some therapy lingo for you right now. Basically, what we see Vince doing is he's not performing niceness. He's performing kindness, mm. which often means delivering some truths that are hard to hear, but in a way that's well-intentioned and for your own benefit. Yeah. And so also acknowledging when something is uncomfortable for someone to hear that maybe that's not a good time and they're not receptive to it. Yeah. And so we really, he's a kind character and you can see this. And he's such a kind character that he's willing to like look past the bullshit that even as Will is talking about him in earshot being like, his ears are too small for his head and blah, 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 blah. Like, he's just like, he cuts through the bullshit and he's like, but he digs me. Yeah. And I dig him. So we're going to focus on that. And then because he's a kind character, he's the one who, you know, Grace kind of says, guys, get back to your date. And he's like, well, your friend's down. Why don't we stay and hang out? Like, we're already here. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine Leo saying that. No. Leo actively hates all four main characters, including Grace. Yes. Whereas Vince barely knows Grace. And is already kind of, like, prepared to emotionally be there Mm -hmm. for her. And I think that there's an interesting framing that I want to kind of quickly, like, take into a dichotomy. Do you remember it was earlier in the season when Grace discusses how she is going to go to Cambodia with Leo? Yes. And there is that moment where Will and Grace and Leo are in bed together and Grace Mm -hmm. is in the middle. And it's a very uncomfortable scene because you can tell that Leo is super uncomfortable with it. And then we have, like, a similar framing that happens Mm -hmm. where they're sitting on the sofa, and it's Will, then Grace, then Vince. And then Will kind of is like, are you going to move so we can sit together? And she's like, ugh, but I'm already here. And Vince is not affronted by that. He's not offended. He's not fighting to be like, no, 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 I need to be next to Will or this is weird. Like, he's just like, whatever. I wish we could edit the episode on that because that's, like, such a fun meta thing you just said. Like... Will and Grace and Vince are on the couch and Will's kind of like asking Grace like do you want to move and Grace is like I'm already here right like it's a it, it works very well as a metaphor for their relationship that like essentially when people are in relationships with Will and Grace it's not so much the trying to make space in the bed it's the let's all get on the couch let's, they're already here yeah I'm well, already and, here and both of these characters need someone who can be on the other side of the couch with the other person in between them and be comfortable. Yes. If it's weird to do that, it isn't going to work. And I think that that's something that we have sort of felt in mm-hmm. various relationships is if you if you can't have that moment where you're not sitting next to your partner but sitting next to their best friend and be comfortable, right. it doesn't work. Well, I mean, frankly, on a meta level in our relationships – the other one of us is always metaphysically between yes. the other person in the relationship. But, like, while there are obviously problems with that that, like, we have to work through on a micro scale, on a macro scale, that's a real dynamic that just has to exist sometimes. Yep. Like... I'm already here, bitch. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's really interesting. I mean, even the example you said where it's Will and Grace and Leo in bed... Even that is not actually a description of this example. Because in order for it to be the same thing, Will would have to be between Grace and Leo. Can you ever imagine that happening? No. I can't imagine that. Yeah, I mean... And I know that the show is going to separate both of these romantic partners from Will and Grace in the revival. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's disappointing. And I understand that there are reasons why that happened. Most of them scheduling, it sounds like. But it just... It's too bad, because at least at this point... I think Vince deserves to still be with Will, Mm -hmm. but I don't think Leo still deserves to be with Grace. And I wish the show could have leaned into that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. 
But basically, we love Leo uh, mm-hmm. being gone because fuck Leo. Yeah. We love Vince. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, Vince is great. great. Vince works much better in this dynamic. And Vince is sort of like goals. Like, I want you to find a Vince. Mm-hmm. Like, someone who... I want me to find a Vince. Yeah. Have you seen young Bobby Cannavale? Hell, have like... you seen old Bobby Cannavale? Bobby Cannavale is hot, okay? I'd still date Bobby Cannavale. Bobby He's Cannavale much too old for me. good looking. He's also good, very straight. Good looking man. He is. But he plays gay very well. And he I appreciate does. that for I a really straight. I really appreciate that, too. Yeah, um, so, like, moving on to additional conversations about friendship jealousy, I think we should transition into the Jack and Karen plot. I agree. Which is also us. Uh, yes, but this is the, like, slightly more cartoony, we are not being super self-aware about our own baggage (laughs) Right. Like, for as much as Jack is making fun of Will for being codependent and creepy at the beginning of the episode, like, honey, take a look in the mirror. Right, I mean, like, literally this episode features... A point at which Jack and Karen are dirty dancing on each other and, like, kind of making out and, like, definitely grinding their pelvises against each other. And, like, that's genuine codependency. What's a little pelvis grinding between best friends? Well, that's fair. Anyways, um, so essentially we start off with Karen is getting dance lessons from Jack because she and Finster are getting married and she needs to be able to foxtrot for the wedding. That's not a thing, but okay. He's British. I guess they're trying to imply that... You foxtrot at British weddings. I don't think you do. But I've never been to a British wedding myself, so I cannot say, but... If you marry a British person, we can foxtrot at your wedding. Sounds great. You and me. Not you and your... Oh, no. Fuck my spouse. Like, whatever. Yeah, no. They suck. They, they lose. We'll foxtrot. You can do the chicken dance with them. Um, I think the thing that works well in pairing this plotline with the Grace and Will plotline, both because... It's not exactly the same mm-hmm. as I had thought. It was kind of the same dynamic where they were both upset about the relationship changing. But I also think it works well because it is such a dramatic expansion of that dynamic. Yes. Like, Karen goes way too far in saying, Sorry, Jack, you're basically fired as my friend. Now um, that I can be with someone who I can see around, mm-hmm. as she so eloquently puts it. Yes, the implication is that she can do more spouse things with Finster because he's not so fat, which right. is... A whole kettle of fish that, like, I need, I feel like I need to start a side project called, like, the Fat Phobia and Will and Grace, like, podcast, <laughs> where it's just me being like, why do you hate fat people? What did we do to you? Um, but then Jack continues to take it too far. Yes, like, they both take it to the extreme. Like, Jack is upset when Karen tells him this, and rightfully so. Yeah, so she basically communicates that, like... Not just, like, our relationship's going to change once I'm married, but you're basically fired. You're done. We're not going to hang out anymore. And so he takes it to the logical extreme, which is that he holds auditions for a new Karen. Yeah, so clearly since he and Karen have decided to part ways, he is finding a new Karen. Mm -hmm. And The show is kind of interesting. It's kind of like a mix of, like, American Idol meets The Bachelor meets The Apprentice. Yes, a lot of different layers there. Um, So we watch as Karen kind of comes back to Jack's apartment, and uh, there's a brief cameo of Jacques. Yes. um, Because the two women who are waiting outside to continue their audition are there waiting, and they're like, oh, if you need to audition, you have to sign in. And she's like, oh, honey, you must be poor. And then... Just strolls in. Barges in. The rich do not need to audition is the implication. Apparently. I mean, it's true of a lot of colleges, so... Fair. Ha... Yes, so she walks in and then is immediately, like, incensed and enraged, mm-hmm. watching Jack, like, basically do a chemistry test with this woman. Yeah. It's really, like, 
it's interesting. They don't do quite as many like Jack and Karenisms as I thought they would. I thought they might touch tummies. Yeah, but I the thing that I like is that Jack even like literally says it like he he instructs her to spank his ass, mm-hmm. and then she kind of makes it her own. Like yes, she grabs his nipples at the end. Yeah, and he's like oh, like he he's impressed by her her in her ingenuity and her her creativity. And I think that kind of proves one of the interesting things about this plotline, which is that. Jack is not trying to get back at Karen. No. Which would be such an easy trap to fall into. It would be so easy for this to be like an elaborate ploy to get Karen to realize that she'd miss him. She, He's really taking this to heart. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the best thing that I can do is audition a new best friend. Yes. And so the leading candidate is, what did, what did he rename her? Well, her name is Phyllis, but he renamed her either... Angie Dickinson. Angie Dickinson. Or... Dixie Angieson? No, Dickie Angieson. Dickie Angieson, yes. And I think Dickie Angieson is a great name Beautiful for a name. side character. It's Will and Grace and Jack and Dickie. Yep. It's beautiful. Uh, yes, and so, like, you know, um, Karen is just sort of sitting there, like, appalled at watching this happen. Like, she's having a physical reaction. It sort of seems like she might faint. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, so basically Jack is like, oh my gosh, you're perfect. I'm, I'm going to offer you the job. Like, <laughs> you're my new bestie. And they, they, they jump up and down and they yep. squee and it's beautiful. And Karen is, like, having a heart attack in the corner. And she's like, but you haven't even showered together. How can you tell if it's really <laughs> real? And, and she's like, oh, that was the first audition. Today's the callback. Like, and it's just. So many layers because it's it, like such a disgusting casting couch scene on the one hand, but like played so much for laughs that like it's kind of fine, I it, guess. It's sort of like the reason I saw it to be kind of funny is because it is so absurd in that way mm-hmm. that it it really just sort of like like with any jokes about sexual violence, I think as long as the butt of the joke isn't the victim but the yes. perpetrator. I think that's fine. And so basically the entire joke is, God, can you believe there are actually men out there who are so gross that they do this? Yes. Like, and so it, it works in that mm-hmm. in that way in which they, they, it's a satire. Yes. It's punching up. Yes. And satire is hard to do well. And I think this episode does it well. Yeah. I don't think that's clearly what the main point of their articles, or their article. I don't think that's what the main point of their joke telling here is trying to do. Right. But it kind of is like a, an additional flavor. Yes. A sort of umami underneath the friend plot. <laughs> The Will and Grace writing this week is actually very subtle and very dense, and yeah. I appreciate that. It's it's very unusual that we get such a heavily layered and dense episode, but it's quite fulfilling when mm-hmm. we do. Um, I mean, we really get the deep inner lives of six characters in this episode. Will, Grace, Vince, Jack, Karen, and Dickie. Yep. God bless Dickie. God bless Dickie. Um, so then essentially, in the end, Dickie is, is, you know, not given the job because Karen realizes that... She can't just give Jack up. That's mm-hmm. insane. Right. The fact that people are expected to suddenly stop being friends with people because they have a new partner is cuckoo crazy pants. That's bananas. Well, and I think the situation makes Karen realize that she doesn't want to do that. She just kind of was like, well, you know, I have my husband now and obviously I won't want to hang out with you. But she does. Yeah. There is something that she gets with Jack that no matter who her partner is, Jack is the one who can provide it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason that happens to be Patrick Swayze dancing. I, 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 I'm not here I, to critique other people's friendships. Whatever. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to motorboat your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But what, it, it's... What a beautiful way to wrap up this discussion, Tess. Remember how I had that really eloquent point about metas, meta stuff and couches earlier? And now you're like, and sometimes you've just got to motorboat your friend. Sometimes you just got to motorboat your friend. You do. You know, I've never motorboated you. I've never motorboated you either. No, you have. Oh. I thought that we had decided that that was, didn't count. Well, I guess... It doesn't... I mean, I think if you crash the motorboat and it just kind of like leans there off the rocks. I was thinking back when we were straight, but... 
Yeah, but I still think that I kind of was like, uh... We were also drunk, I think. Yeah, that's I think fun. it might have been that time after we'd broke it up and it was oh, made out. Oh, yeah, that's not great. That's not great. I'm getting the, the, the Bacardi sweats just thinking about it. <laughs> it's like the meat sweats, but way worse. But so much worse. All right. Um, so on that note, Matthew, do you want to tell people where they can find us on the internet? Absolutely. If you want to tell us your stories about your experiences with the Bacardi sweats, the best place to start is on our Twitter page, at Not A Couple Show. You can also find us on Facebook, on Tumblr, or send us an email. You can email us at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this, you've probably found us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean. But tell your friends. That's where you can find us. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't find us there, where the fuck did you find us? Tell us, please. We're concerned. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We will return next week with more Will and Grace. And Vince. And Dickie Anderson. I don't think Dickie's coming back. No, Dickie's not coming back. Sorry, All right. Dickie. But Will and Grace, though. We'll be back for them. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not a Couple. Bye bye. This week's episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one very warm cat. I know, it's so warm in here, baby. This week's episode is sponsored by Vince D'Angelo's Untitled Moisturizer Project. It's less gross than it sounds, but twice as slippery.